Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Quartz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. Our scripture for the morning comes from John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found the Messiah. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is God's word. Amen. As we return to our study of the Gospel of John, I want to give you a quick reminder that uh, we have for you, free of charge, an introduction to John and also a notebook with which to take notes as we make our way through this extraordinary book. And if you wind up needing 10 of these, we're glad to provide 10 of these to you. You know, it's an interesting thing when you're listening to God's word being preached. There are always times when God speaks and he'll speak directly to you. He'll give you a word. He'll give you an insight. And one of the wisest things you can do is be ready to record that insight that he's giving you so that you don't lose it somehow between here and the life that lay ahead of you. There are those of you who have told me time and again how you have gone back to a message or to something that God has said to you through a message and as time has gone on and refreshed yourselves in them. And so I want to remind you, those are always available for you and I want to encourage you to use them. Now with our, with our Bibles open and as we return to John chapter one together, after having had a great couple of weekends celebrating the death of our Savior and his resurrection. We're coming back now to John chapter 1, and we're going to finish John 1 today. And uh, John 1 ends in a most mm, uh, unexpected way. We've seen how God uses uh, uh, 
people and situations to prepare his son for his public ministry. He used John the uh, baptizer to prepare the way for Jesus to come, to prepare the hearts of the people. He gives him the gift of the Holy Spirit to help the son in his great ministry and work. But he gives him a third gift and we find that third gift and it's, it's an unexpected gift. He gives to his son the gift of people. Now, what we've said is that what God the Father gives to God the Son in preparation for his ministry mirrors what God gives to his own people in preparing them for the life and the work he has for them. And I've made the point and uh, want to reinforce it today that when God calls us to new life in Christ, he calls us to a great life. He calls us out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. He calls us from the old into the new, and then he makes these ordinary people that we are into a people who have an extraordinary life, a truly great life. And we define greatness as goodness. We've defined it the way God defines it. God defines his own greatness ultimately as his goodness. And so he calls us and enables us and equips us to live great lives, great because they are good, great because, good because they are more and more like the life of Jesus. The third gift God gives to his son, the third act of preparation he gives is the gift of people, people to share life with and a people to give life to. Now, here at the end of John chapter one, we find four stories of Jesus finding people and people finding Jesus finding them, people who become his first disciples. And our passage for this morning is centered on the last story, the story of Nathaniel that uh, Jackson just read for us. Now, let me give us a little bit of background before we actually go to our passage and break it apart. Uh, Unlike all the other rabbis of his day, Jesus picked his own disciples. Every other rabbi in his day waited for people to come to him. Jesus picked his own disciples. He picked his handpicks, his inner circle of disciples, rather than letting them choose him. And when he calls, they actually come. And uh, the, the uh, other gospels show that when they came to him, they left their families, their jobs, their ambitions. They left everything, their goals for him. But honestly, if you've ever read the gospels, if you've ever uh, really dug into them, one of the things you come away with is this, that the people Jesus picked were not the people you would have expected. Not one of them was wealthy. Not one of them was scholarly. Not one of them had strong leadership abilities. There were no standouts with charisma, no standouts with native talent. The one thing that was common to all of them was that they were, well, slow. They, they were just slow. They were slow to understand. They were slow to trust. They were slow to believe. They were just slow. No one else would have chosen the men that Jesus chose. Nobody would have chosen the men that Jesus chose. I mean, if you go back and look at their high school yearbooks, not one of them would, be, would, read, would, would have said most likely to succeed. 
And their yearbooks would have all said most unlikely to succeed. And yet Jesus, this is the incredible thing. Jesus invested three years of his, of his life in these men before he left. Three years of his life in them. Knowing that after he had won uh, forgiveness of sin and restoration of new life, it would be all up to them to spread the news about what he had accomplished. You talk about risk. You take all these ordinary men and give them an extraordinary task. It's incredible. It's also, by the way, incredibly encouraging. I read about a, a man the other day who, who in his entire life wrote 500 books. And I'm going, how? How? I can hardly get my sermons done every week. How? And yet that is exactly what Jesus does. Now notice something with me from this passage. What we actually see Jesus doing with Nathaniel, and Nathaniel's more important, it's longer. Uh, the, the story of Nathaniel is longer. It is more involved. It, it is finished with a promise. Um, and so this is an important story, the one we're looking at. But what we actually see Jesus doing in our passage is he's building uh, relationships. Jesus was the master of many things. And one of the things that he was extraordinary with was building relationships, healthy relationships. And that's something, of course, that we all struggle with. I see it all the time. A young couple will come in to me to see me and they say, we want to get married. And I'll say, great. And then I always ask them the question they don't expect. I say, why? I say, why? And then they will tell me how wonderful the other person is. And the other person is wonderful. They really are. Uh, they are amazing and I learned about it and it's a very warm session, a nice session, a good session. Everybody feels better after they get done with this session and, uh, and all of it is true. I mean, I, I, I've had a couple of cases where I thought, mm, I, I'm not sure we're sitting in the same room with that guy, but, <laughs> but it's, you know, that's not necessarily my choice. So, but, but as a rule, it's, it's, it's all true and it's good and uh, warm and encouraging. And then um, they get married and something happens. Um, and, and this is what happens. Uh, up to that point, they've been living, putting their best foot forward, you know, and once, and you can only be your best self for so long. And then after you get married, you finally get to rest. And uh, you're not your best self anymore. And what married couples discover is they discover that they actually married a real person <laughs> with real problems and real challenges. And they're shocked. And some of them will come back and say to me, you know, what happened? And I just say, nothing. You just discovered the other side of the, of the story. And what I see set up is the ancient human fear of being truly known for what we truly are surfaces again. And, and into a marriage, people start covering up and hiding from each other. And it isn't healthy and it isn't good. We, we all live in fear that people will find out who we actually are. 
and uh, we fear shame and we fear criticism and condemnation and rejection, uh, all the things that we think might happen if people could see the real us. And so authenticity is an ongoing problem. And it's been here since the beginning. You go back and look at Adam and Eve and what happened in the garden. Uh, Adam and Eve chose to go their own way. And as soon as they realized the real goodness of God and the seriousness of their wickedness, what did they do? They covered up and they hid. And we human beings have been covering up and hiding ever since. The trouble is, of course, in relationships that the more we cover, the less able others are to truly know us and relate to us. And the more we cover up and hide, the weaker our relationships become and the greater the pain they bring. It's fascinating to me how that works. All of us have this fear of being found out. All of us have a, have a fear of being exposed. All of us want to hide and cover and yet authenticity is absolutely necessary for a relationship to thrive. In healthy relationships, the more we know and the more we show and the more we're known, the greater the chances for the relationship to grow strong and deep. God is very, very interested in authenticity. And he's very, very interested in relationships. We know that God made us for himself. We know that God made us for relationships with each other. We know that fundamental to what God the Father was about in sending Jesus was to redeem and restore humanity to a relationship with himself. But what I wonder sometimes is whether we miss the kind of relationship that God the Father wants to have with us. I wonder sometimes if we miss the fact that what he wants is a close, intimate relationship where covering and hiding have ended. And this is in part what makes the story of Nathaniel so important for us. What John describes is how Jesus found Nathaniel, how Nathaniel found Jesus, and then what Nathaniel found when he found Jesus finding him. And in all of this finding, we gain insights into the kind of relationship God offers and the kind that he wants and the kind that I think we miss. We get insight here into what those who, found, who are found by Jesus actually find in him. Let me put it to you this way and then let's unpack it in our passage, shall we? Here's what they find. They find a call to come close. They find a declaration to consider and they find a promise to claim. A call, a declaration, a promise. A call to come close, a declaration to think about, to consider and a promise to claim. Notice with me in verses 45 to 46. First, God in Christ offers an authentic relationship with a call to come close. Philip found, verse 45, Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law uh, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, are you kidding me? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come, come and see, come and see. Now, I want you to notice with me, first of all, that the call to Jesus really isn't first a call to come to him by faith. It's actually a call to come closer. It's a call to, it's a call to come closer and see him or experience him as he really is. 
In truth, every new life in Christ actually starts with that call. Come closer. Come see him. Come, come experience him. When, when a found person finding people to help them find and be found by Jesus, the invitation is always first to come closer to Christ and see him as he really is. And that is exactly what Philip does. Now notice what happens specifically here. There's a witness given, a testimony to Jesus. He says, we've found the one who Moses and the prophets said would come, the one you and I have been looking for, Nathaniel. And I believe the reason Philip went straight to Nathaniel was because Philip was a seeker. He found Jesus. He knew Nathaniel was a seeker. And he's saying, you know, the one we've been looking for, we found him. You know, the one that Moses talked about, we found him. You know, the one that the prophet said would come, we found him. And that gets Nathaniel's attention. And he, and, but when he says Jesus of Nazareth, that throws Nathaniel. He goes, mm, <laughs> there's no way. Nothing good comes out of Walnut Cove. I mean, um, I mean, uh, Nazareth. I, I, I mean, Nazareth. Nazareth, that's, that's it. It's just simply unremarkable. Nothing significant happened there or came from there. And, and, and it's interesting to me that Philip doesn't argue. He simply says confidently, forget that. Just come and see for yourself. Come close to him and see. And Nathaniel did. New life and an open, authentic relationship with Jesus always start with a personal testimony to him, a pointer to the biblical truth about him and an invitation to go and see him for yourself. I met a most wonderful man by the name of Carl Porter in London back in November. He now works with the International Mission Board. He's a native Britisher. And uh, I may have shared his story a little bit with you. I've invited him to come and be with us in August and to do some evangelism training for us. And I can't wait for you to meet him. He's an extraordinary guy. Um, didn't know Jesus, thought the story of Jesus was a fairy tale, spent all his time in pubs, drinking and all that kind of stuff. Came to a point where he got close to Jesus by reading the Bible and what he found changed his life. And one of the phrases that he says to me, uh, whenever we get together, inevitably he says, the word does the work. When he's talking about evangelism, it's the word that does the work. What you've got to do is expose people to the word about Jesus. And it's the word that does the work. You give them a picture of Jesus in the word, the word by the spirit of God will do the work and people are drawn to Christ. The word does the work. Basically what Carl Porter is saying to me and what he will say to you in August as the Lord tarries is basically this, that if people are going to come to faith in Jesus, if they're going to come to have an authentic relationship, the very first thing that has to happen is we've got to give them an opportunity. We've got to give them an invitation, not immediately to trust him, but first immediately see him. I want you to see him. What is he like? Who is he? Word 
does the work. And so, you know, in truth, believer, listen, what everybody, uh, others need from you and from me is a testimony about finding him, being found by him, an invitation to, the, to, to come and see him in the word and find him there, and then an invitation to faith. I, I'm, it always stays in my mind that Jesus said the fields are already white under harvest. They're white now. They're not about to be white. They aren't going to be white in three years. They're white now. They're white now. And because they are white now, we should be now extending the invitation to come and see. And Jesus is saying to all the world, here I am. Find me. See me. Follow me. Everyone's called, but sadly few are invited. It all starts with, a, with an invitation or a call. Come close. Come and see. Secondly, I want you to see God in Christ offers for authentic relationship a declaration to consider. Look at verses 47 to 49. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And suddenly an extraordinary thing happens. Look at verse 49. Nathanael has come close. He's seen Jesus, heard from Jesus. And he goes from Nazareth to Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. The very first true convert is Nathaniel. Is Nathaniel. So notice with me how Nathaniel, how John describes how Nathaniel, despite his doubts, answers the call to go and see Jesus. And what he finds surprises him because what he finds is Jesus has already found him. And Jesus makes two declarations to Nathanael about Nathanael. First, he says, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And then when Nathanael asks Jesus how he knows him, Jesus says to him, before Philip called you, I saw you under that fig tree. So before Nathanael can say anything to Jesus about Jesus, Jesus actually says everything to Nathaniel about Nathaniel. And he says, I know you, two things. I know you and I see you. I know you and I see you. First, I know who you are well. You are, and I quote, an Israelite indeed, a man in whom there is no guile. In other words, Nathaniel is a man who represents the kind of people God wanted his people to be. No pretense, without deceit, honestly seeking him. The fact that Philip had borne witness uh, to Jesus of Nazareth and Nathanael was blunt about Nazareth but still comes to examine Jesus for himself is evidence that Jesus did know him. No deceit, no cover up, said what was on his mind, maybe was probably too blunt sometimes. You ever meet people like that? Yeah, they're a little scary. But sometimes they can do you good. Um, it proves that Jesus really did know him. The fact that Jesus knows already what has happened and how Nathaniel responded and why is evidence for who Jesus is. But then there's more. Nathaniel confirms that Jesus does know him. He wants to know how. 
And there we have Jesus' second declaration. He says, I saw you, saw you under the fig tree. Now here's the mystery of mysteries. What happened under the fig tree? What was going on under the fig tree that Jesus saw? We don't know. Many scholars believe that Nathaniel, a man like Philip who was seeking God and waiting for his Messiah, was in some sort of spiritual crisis while he was under that fig tree. Maybe he was praying, crying out to God under that fig tree, asking God to show himself an act. Maybe he was saying, God, where are you? Have you ever been there? You ever been under that fig tree? God, you've made all these promises. I know what you said in your word. Where are you? Sometimes we find ourselves under that fig tree. Perhaps he was meditating on the Old Testament scripture and the prophecies of the Messiah to come. Was saying, send him, send him. Maybe he was under the fig tree confessing sin, thinking God had rejected him, wanted no more to do with him. I don't know, but his faith was quaking. He's facing some kind of challenge he didn't know how to handle. Wondering where God was. And then comes Jesus. I know you, he says, and I saw you. Before Philip ever came to you to give you your invitation, I saw you. And whatever it was that Jesus saw brought a remarkable change to Nathanael's perspective. And he goes from, what well, good can come from Nazareth to you're the son of God, you're the king of Israel. So summing up Nathanael's character without having met him and showing a supernatural knowledge of his activity without being visible to him, Jesus proved that he could see without being physically present and he could know Nathanael's very heart. And suddenly all the doubt was removed Nathaniel believed. There's something here for us, though. The fact that Jesus knows Nathaniel fully and he sees all he does is wonderful, but let's be honest, it's also incredibly frightening. It's sobering. What Nathaniel found when he found Jesus finding him was someone who knew him intimately, someone from whom no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't really cover up. Someone from whom he really could never hide. He couldn't cover up what he did on the outside. He couldn't cover up who he was on the inside. Someone you could try to run from, but never succeed because he is always wherever you go. It's frightening, it's humbling, it's sobering for any one of us to know that somebody knows us that well. Somebody has 24 hour a day access to everything there is about us. And that someone is Jesus. He knows us, he sees us. We are so worried about who's keeping information on us. We worry about Google. Hey, listen, Google has nothing on Jesus. Google knows what you want to buy. Jesus knows why you want to buy it. 
Here's the thing. It seems to me that basically what Jesus is actually saying to Nathaniel, he's saying, I know you in your strengths. You're an Israelite, no guile. I know you in your struggles. I saw you under the fig tree. I see your strengths. I know your struggles. Nathaniel, I'm still reaching out to you. I know all about you. And I'm still reaching out to you. And this, my friends, my loved ones, this, this is one of the great mysteries of the gospel. How God could know us so very well. And still reach out for a relationship with us. So what Nathaniel actually is hearing Jesus say is, I know you completely and yet I still receive you fully. Follow me. Follow me. What is he doing here? He's laying the foundation for an authentic relationship. Finally, I want you to notice with me how God in Christ offers for an authentic relationship a promise to claim. Look at verses 50 and 51. So Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So John's recording here Jesus' response to Nathaniel's sudden bold declaration of faith. And it's not what we expect. Jesus' response is a question that comes more uh, as another declaration in the form of a promise. He, he really is scolding Nathaniel here. He's actually affirming what has happened. Oh, he says, you believe. And effectively, he's saying, that's good. But if what I've just shown you and what I've just told you has prompted faith in you, you haven't seen anything yet. You're going to see greater things than what you just saw. What are those greater things? Jesus tells us, look at verse 51. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you're going to see heaven opened. You're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Heaven opened. Angels ascending and descending. Now, remember, will you just for a minute, that angels are never to be worshiped. Their help is never to be sought. They don't work for us, they work for God. So if you want something, don't cry out to an angel. Cry out to the one for whom the angels work. Don't get that confused. Now, All of this may sound a bit odd to us. We're going, what is he talking about? And how in the world is this a promise? But it would have been a great encouragement to Nathaniel. Why? Because what Jesus is doing is he's he's pointing back to the Old Testament story of Jacob and the stairway to heaven, Jacob and his ladder. 
You might remember the story. Jacob was forced to leave his home because he had violated the trust of his family, stolen the birthright of his brother. He sent packing. He has nowhere to go. He finds himself in the wilderness. He lays down to go to sleep and all he has for a pillow is a stone. I would say he hit rock bottom. Would you? Yeah. There he has a dream. And he sees something unexpected, heaven opened, a ladder on which the angels of God are coming and going from heaven to earth, up and down, back and forth, bringing God's help down and his blessings down and bearing human needs up. And at the top of the ladder is God himself. And in the midst of this dream, he not only sees the unexpected, but he hears the unexpected. And, and God tells him, that despite his failures, he claims Jacob. He's going to bless Jacob. He's going to be with Jacob and he's gonna see him safely home. I claim you, I'm gonna bless you, I'm going to be with you and I'm gonna see you safely home. So Jacob finds God finding him in the wilderness with his head on a stone. The God who finds him is a God of grace who bridges the gap between his holy heaven and a sinful broken earth and its broken people. He's the God of grace who acts to bring rebels and fugitives home to himself. Despite their failures, despite what they deserve, the picture here is the picture of heaven open to humanity, for humanity, with a ladder set by which God receives our needs and cares and prayers, a ladder by which the Father sends blessings undeserved. So what Jesus says to Nathaniel is actually powerful. It's quite a promise. The greater things you're going to see are what Jacob saw, but better. You're going to see heaven open. You're going to see God's angels active because heaven's ladder has come again on earth. And Nathaniel, what you're going to see is that I am that ladder. You will see heaven opened by me. You will see the angels of God ascending and descending on me. I am that ladder. You're going to see that I'm the point and ultimate fulfillment of Jacob's dream. I am myself the ladder by which God receives the great needs of humanity. I'm the ladder by which he gathers all of our hurts and failures. And I am the ladder by which all of his greatest blessings come down. Under every fig tree and in every season of life, what Jesus claims to be here is greater than anything his earthly followers ever confessed. He is the means of all communication between a divided heaven and earth. 
He's the means of all help. He's the means of all blessings. And in him, the separation between heaven and earth is ended. Sin closed heaven to us. Jesus opened it back up. And every grace and every help, every favor and every mercy, every strength and every power, every comfort and consolation, every good gift and perfect gift that we need is made available to us through him. And all we need is made real for us in a relationship with him. I want to promise you Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, that if you follow me, you will see greater things. And by them, watch this now, you will come to know me personally, deeply. What is he doing? He's building a deep, authentic relationship with Nathaniel. I know you. Nothing's hidden from me. I want you to know me. I know you completely. I want you to know me fully. So what you're going to see is who I am and what I can do. I'm the latter. Now, do you see Come on. Do you see what it means to say Jesus is the latter? <laughs> because by him forgiveness comes, by him sin is removed. What Jesus is saying is let's, let's have a real relationship here. There's no reason for you to hide anymore. There's no reason for you to cover anymore because I've got, watch, you're covering covered you don't have to do any more covering because I've got your covering covered. I'm going to cover everything you've ever done. No reason to play games. No reason to play hide and seek anymore. I already know. You come to me just as you are. I'm coming to you just as I am. Let's have an authentic, real, genuine relationship. I love this. Jesus says to Nathaniel, I promise you faithfully all of me. So you, you follow me. Now, now what does all of this mean for, for us? What does this mean for you today? The fact that Jesus knows 
all of you and all of me so intimately and watch us so closely, just as he did Nathaniel, could actually make trusting this offer of a relationship from Jesus hard to receive. Indeed, God has always portrayed in the Bible as, as present everywhere, but he's never, it's not present always in the same way. He's present either to judge and to punish, or he's present to sustain every breath we've taken in this room and will take have, comes from him. Every beat of our hearts comes from him. He's sustaining. He's keeping our, our little planet in right alignment with the sun. I mean, every, everything is dependent on him. But he comes either in judgment, with punishment, or he comes sustaining, or he comes for blessing. The fact that Nathaniel has discovered God in Jesus could be rather frightening. Why have you come? Have you come to judge? Have you come to punish? But as we've seen, Jesus offers instead blessing, not cursing. He offers this ladder of help in heaven. He offers himself in the most authentic and life-giving relationship possible for you to have. Here's a relationship where you're fully known and yet you're still received. One where there's no reason to hide and to cover because the one you used to hide from has become the one you hide in. The one you used to hide from becomes the one you hide in. The one you used to hide from becomes the one you hide in. You know, when I say something like that three times, it probably means if you're taking notes, you should write that down. There's no more hiding. And the covering you once used to do is done for you with his blood. This is a relationship where you can know Christ more and more, one where in every circumstance and season of life, you can find him and you will find him being himself, being faithful to his relationship with you, present with you and present for you in every situation of life. Wherever your life leads, where whatever life brings you, he's there. He says, I'm the ladder, I'm set. The angels are active and heaven is open. Now love this picture. Believer, it does not matter what wilderness you find yourself in, what circumstance or situation is facing you. The reality is because Jesus is faithful, because he is who he is, because he wants you, listen, to know him in every situation and circumstance of life, every single one, every tragedy, hardship, difficulty, success, in that he wants you to know him. Because that is true, the reality is, regardless of the fig tree you find yourself under, if you will look, you will find right there in your darkest night, a ladder set, angels active, and heaven opened in Jesus. And he's saying to you again and again and again, follow me.
you can trust me. I want you to know me. Come to know me better, even in this heartbreak. Come to know me better, even in this challenge. Do you remember what Jacob said? Oh, I love this. After his experience, sleeping with his head on a rock. Powerful. Do you remember what he said? This is what he said. When he was, he's, he's at his lowest point, the lowest point of his life, and this is what he says after this experience. He says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. <laughs> I had no idea. God met rebels and fugitives out in the wilderness who had nothing but a stone to put their heads on. How awesome is this place? Awesome not because it's terrible, awesome not because it's hard, but awesome because God is there too. He says, even this place is none other than the house of God. Even here is the gate of heaven opened up to help me. Oh. This is a ready promise for all of life and all of death. I'll be there. I am there. You can trust me. I know you, you don't scare me away. I know what you've done. I know what you said. I'm still here. Trust me. I know you completely. I receive you fully. And I promise you faithfully, all of me for every day of the rest of your life, regardless of what that day brings. I want a real relationship with you. Now, what does all of this have to do with living a great life? Jesus actually mentions greater things twice in the, in the Gospel of John. He says in our passage that the disciples would see greater things. Later on, just before he goes to the cross... In John 14, he tells them they will do greater things. In John 14, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. 
What a picture. What a concept to grasp, to try to put your head around. More often than not, Jesus surrounds himself with ordinary people. People without much native talent, without much potential. People who misunderstand him and are slow to learn and trust. People who sometimes can act like children and he gives to them, these ordinary people, extraordinary lives. He starts by giving to them a view, a vision of the greatest things human eyes can see. And he and then moves from there, from a vision of greater things to empowering them to live still greater lives, doing the things he did and doing even greater things. He is the master of relationships, the master of taking the ordinary and making it You must be Center Grove. <laughs> Extraordinary. But it all begins and it all continues and it all happens when we live in an authentic relationship with the living God. No hiding, no covering, no running, coming, staying, trusting. Where's your fig tree? Can you find the ladder? Can you trust him? Heads bowed with heads bowed and eyes closed as we end our time together. I want to speak, if I may, for a moment to believers. I want to challenge you in this moment to look at your life and ask if there's any covering, any hiding going on in your life. Is there any running going on in your life? There's really only one response for you today, and it is to say, 
God, you know. God, you know. And I'm confessing, I know that you know. I know you know. God, you know. Hiding and covering and running. Only bring pain, hurt. God, you know. Today, here, now, God calls you to own. What is there? Uncover. Claim the shed blood of Christ over that covered thing. Bring those hidden things out into light. Own them. Commit to act on them. Instead of running from him, run to him. Find the ladder. Find the ladder. To those in this room, perhaps you're like Philip and Nathaniel. You're here because you're seeking. You really are seeking. You, you believe there is a God. You, you have heard of Jesus. You may know a lot about him, but the idea of a deep, intimate relationship with him, one that is full of knowing and being known, trusting and of resting that 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 is foreign to you and maybe I'm just I'm thinking maybe today some who are seeking or finding themselves right now in a fig tree and you are in your own spiritual crisis you are in your own place of spiritual need and hurt and Jesus comes to you and says I I see you and I know you and I want you I receive you. The great question is, will you receive me? I, I receive you just as you are, but I, will you receive me just as I am? Will you trust me? And if today your answer is yes, I trust. You gave your life on the cross to remove my sin. I trust that by way of your cross your father forgives I trust that my shame can be replaced with joy I trust that you live that the relationship is real if you can say that 
new journey, a new life can be yours here, now, today. The ladder is set. God is active. Heaven is open. Heaven is open. Heaven is open. Heaven is open. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Heaven is open. Heaven is open. God in Christ stands ready to welcome you. Fugitive. Failure. Flounderer. Just like me. He's welcome. Welcoming. And ready to welcome you home. Father God. Your word must do the work. Your spirit must touch hearts and minds. And I trust, Lord God, that your word is working and your spirit is using your word even now. Call your people closer. And call still others to come close find Christ and be saved for Jesus sake I ask it Amen Amen. Thanks for joining me today If you enjoy these podcasts take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kortz My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life